We don't like rejection, do we? I remember in third grade, I wrote a note. Maybe you wrote a note something like this. This is how it went. Dear Kelly, do you like me? Circle one, yes or no. You ever written a note like that? So Kelly's desk was right next to mine. I had, had been very careful in crafting my message, right? I put stars on it, not hearts. Let's not get crazy. I'm in third grade. So I folded it up. When she looked the other way, I dropped it on her desk, and I'm watching out of the corner of my eye, right? She turns around. She sees the note. She picks it up. She opens it. It takes her second to read. She only reads at a third grade level, you know? So she's reading. She slowly folds the note back up, looks at me, and says, hey, you dropped this. She didn't follow the directions. She didn't circle anything. Rejected. We don't like to be rejected. Now, it comes in all different shapes and sizes, right? Maybe you've asked somebody out and they laughed in your face. That's happened to me. That wasn't fun. I'm realizing there's a common denominator there. It might be me, but still, it's not fun to be rejected. Or maybe you interviewed at a place and they said, we'll call you. And then they never call you. Or when they do call you, they say, we, we're going to go a different direction. Or maybe... You're always worried that your friends are out without you. You know, FOMO, fear of missing out. And then you find out they are all out without you at the movie and they didn't invite you. That's a kind of a unique kind of rejection. Rejection comes in all shapes and sizes. Now, we've all been rejected. We remember being rejected because it hurts. Those moments kind of stick with you. Now, fear of rejection is a little different. Because we've been rejected in the past, we start to to change the way that we interact with people. We take that feeling of being rejected and it paralyzes us. So we don't act out in faith, or maybe we don't grow, or maybe we don't take the chance. Because we're so scared of what that feels like. I remember trying out for the seventh grade basketball team. Now I'm short, and I've always been short, but I thought, you know, I grew up in Indiana, I have an okay jump shot, maybe I have a good chance of making the seventh grade team. And I gave it my all. Have you ever been in that situation? You just give it everything you've got. I'm hustling, I'm doing everything I can possibly do. Now the roster goes up at the end of the day, the bell rings, I run down to the gym and my name's not on there. You knew that because it's a fear of rejection Sunday, but my name's not on there. Now the coach comes out, and he actually talks to me, and he says, hey, Adam, you actually did have a really good tryout. Here are a couple of things for you to work on. I'd love to see you come out for the eighth grade team. So how do you think that that story ends? Kind of like a movie montage in Hoosiers, you know? I go home, I start throwing the ball up against the barn we actually don't have because I grew up in the city. Like, you know, I work on my dribbling, I work on defense, all of this type of stuff. Nope, never tried out for a basketball team again. I was so fearful. I allowed the fear of rejection to outweigh the hope of making the team. Rejection's a big deal to us, and that's why we fear it. It's actually pretty simple. We have this need for belonging for acceptance, approval. Some of that is actually healthy and some of it's not so much. 
And this fear of being rejected can cause us to do some odd things. We play it safe, maybe. We don't try. Or maybe you stay in that unhealthy relationship or that unhealthy situation, even though you know it's unhealthy because you're so scared of what's out there. You don't know what to do. You know that there are other possibilities, but that fear of someone not liking you, someone not approving of you, is immobilizing. Or maybe you become isolated. You start putting up these walls and you say, look, I don't want anybody to really know me or to know all about me, even though you desperately want that approval or to belong or to be known, because that fear outweighs that hope. Now, we fear rejection because we desire acceptance. They kind of go hand in hand. We fear rejection because we desire acceptance. Now, acceptance is a huge deal to us. Now, there's a recent scientific paper that showed social acceptance helps us sleep better, eat better, remain more physically fit, emotionally secure, and then help so let's live longer. Just by belonging. We are created to belong, to have community with one another. So here's my shameless plug for our life groups here at the Ridge. There's a reason that we think that it's such a big deal for you to connect with other people and to connect with God. So we have this share series coming up, and it's an opportunity for you to belong, to be accepted. And hear me, it's only four weeks. You can do anything for four weeks. So check out your bulletin for details about how to get plugged into that. But the reason we think it's so important is because of the acceptance that you can find through a group. Now, acceptance doesn't mean we approve of everything someone does. Acceptance doesn't mean we're okay with someone walking all over us or anything like that. No, this is what acceptance is. Acceptance is when we are known, welcomed, and fully loved. It's when we're known, that they know who we are at our, our deepest level, that we're welcomed, that you're welcomed in, that there's community there, and that you're fully loved. So there's a story in the Bible. Maybe you've heard of it before. It's called the lost son. Sometimes that's called the prodigal son. Jesus tells this story in Luke 15. Now, the book of Luke is just really about Jesus' life. And Jesus is telling this story so that we can understand some aspects of human relationships and our relationship with God. So I'm going to kind of summarize the story. There was a family. There was a father and two sons, an older brother and a younger son. And things were going pretty well for this family by all accounts. Everything was going okay until one day, the younger son came up to the father and he said, hey, dad, I know things are going well, but I'd like to go out on my own. I want my share of the family inheritance. So will you just act like you died? I mean, that's insulting. I wouldn't suggest that you try it at home. But the father says, yeah. Okay, even though that's a slap in his face, he said, I will give you your share of the family inheritance. And so the younger son does go out on his own. And he starts making some bad decisions. He has some bad influences, makes some, some bad choices. 
And he ends up living wild. And it turns out when you live wild, you go broke. And that's what happened. Now, there was a drought at the time. There wasn't anything to eat. It was hard to find work. And he's broke. So he takes the only job that he can find, which is the lowest of the low at the time. He ends up to go and work at a pig farmer's place to take care of the pigs. And he's so hungry, he's thinking about eating this pig slop because he doesn't have anything to eat. And there he is, he's in the mud and the muck and things aren't going great. And he thinks, you know what? At home, my father treats his servants really well. And I know that I've rejected him. I know that I've sinned against him. But if I just go home, I'm not worthy to be a son anymore, but maybe he'll just let me eat something. And so that's, that's what he decides to do. He gets up, cleans up the best he can, and he starts to go home. Now the father is waiting. There's this place that he stands to look out over his land and his fields, and there's a road that leads up to his house, and he sees him coming, this younger son that he goes and looks for every single day. He sees him and he loses it. He runs as fast as he can, as undignified of a run as you can think of. And he finds, he scoops up his younger son in this huge bear hug and he kisses him and he's twirling him around. He's so excited, but the younger son can't even look his dad in the face. And he says, Father, I, I know I rejected you. I know I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. But the father interrupts him. He says, no, 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 no. I need your finest clothing. I need the finest jewelry. We are going to throw a party. We are going to celebrate because my son was lost and now he's found. And that's what they do. The servants come and they start swirling around and they start to celebrate. Now the older brother is out in the field and he hears that bass thumping. Right? And, he's, and he goes, what is that? Off in the distance, he sees a conga line. And he goes, what is going on? Why is there a party? And somebody tells him, hey, your brother's home. We're celebrating. Older brother is ticked. Are you kidding me? So he doesn't go in. He's not celebrating. Not happy about it. The father goes out and pleads with the older brother and says, hey, come in and celebrate with us. And the older brother says, you don't get it, dad. I've been here the whole time. I've been doing the right thing the whole time. And you don't even care. You've never thrown a party for me. I don't even get a pa. Nothing. And, and the father looks at him with pain in his eyes and he says, you don't get it. Your younger brother was dead. And now he's alive. It's time to celebrate. I love that story. I think there's so much richness in this story. And today we're going to look at it a little differently. We're going to look at it in this lens of rejection and acceptance. Now there are three characters that Jesus brings up in the story. Did you catch that? There's the older brother. There's the father. Then there's the lost son, the younger son. 
And today we're going to kind of look at all three of those characters and learn what we can about rejection and acceptance. We're going to start with the older brother. When Jesus is telling this parable, there are people listening. That's kind of how it works, right? The Bible calls them notorious sinners. Everybody knows these people are bad, right? But there are other people there too. They're the Pharisees, the religious teachers of the day. And they're listening and they're not huge fans of Jesus and his teaching. And one thing when you read a parable is you can think about what character represents what. And in this story, the character of the older brother actually represents the Pharisees. Now, the older brother is disrespected by the younger brother. Asking for your inheritance is at least frowned upon. We miss that sometimes, I think. The older brother is, is justified in not being pleased with this. And the younger son behaves in such a way that even makes him more angry. And, and then the younger brother comes home. And the older brother's going, I've been here the whole time. This is what he says. This is Luke 15, 28 through 30. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. And when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. See, the brother stays and by all accounts does what is right. And when his brother comes back, he resents it because he's mad, because he did the right thing and the other brother did the wrong thing. And that's not justice. The older brother doesn't believe that the younger brother deserves to be accepted back home. He doesn't deserve the celebration. And I think that that's a really important thing to learn about rejection. We're tempted to reject when we're rejected. The older brother feels rejected by the way his younger brother treats him. He feels rejected by his father Welcome him back. Even though he's not rejected by that, the older brother ends up rejecting his whole family, his father and his younger brother. Have you ever been in a situation like that where, where you feel rejected and you feel justified for being angry and you know that what they did to you is wrong and you feel like it's the right thing to do to reject that person who rejected you first? Have you ever looked up your ex on Facebook? You ever done that? Yes, you have. And you go and you, and you look them up and there's just that little tiny itty bitty bit of joy when you see that maybe their life isn't going quite as well as they thought it was going to go when they were in high school, right? And you're not friends on Facebook because they said you were going to stay friends, but then you didn't because they lied to you. That's my own baggage. You're right. You're right. <laughs> We're tempted to reject when we feel rejected. We see this. And can I tell you, this character is the character that I relate to the most in this story. I don't want to, but this is the character that I relate to. In my heart, I have this pull. I have this pull toward rejecting people. I don't call it that. I call it having high expectations. 
maybe unrealistic expectations. And when somebody wrongs me, it's really, really, really hard for me not to reject them right back. Because I've been doing the right thing the whole time, right? I mean, no, clearly I haven't. But that's what it feels like to us. And we feel like you've rejected me and I'm going to reject you right back. We reject because we've been rejected. So maybe somebody's been unkind to you at work. Maybe somebody is shaming you for the way you parent or the way that you handle your money or the way that you interact with other people. Maybe you are struggling because somebody has said something in a public form, maybe in front of your boss or in, in, on social media, and you just don't know what to do and you feel rejected. So the question is, if you feel rejected, are you rejecting somebody? What's God prompted in your heart today toward those people in your life? Perhaps God is calling you, even though you feel wronged, to accept them, to love them, to know them, to even welcome them, to show mercy and grace instead of hurt and harm. Now maybe you're not the one rejecting. Maybe you feel rejected. So what do we do? What do we do when we feel rejected by somebody? Well, we have one response, right? From the older brother, we can reject them if they reject us. But there's a second character we're going to look at. This is the father. Now in this story, the character of the father represents God. And the father is rejected. And he allows himself to be rejected. The younger son turns away from him. Follows his own path sins against him, and the lost son rejects the father. Then he decides to come home. This is what the father does in response. So he, the lost son, returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. He didn't wait until his son came all the way back. He met him halfway. He, he rushed out to him. He bear hugged him. That's the type of love that we're talking about. It's full and deep. So hear this. If you're feeling or fearing rejection today, here's your hope. We, you and I, are unconditionally accepted by God. No matter what, God knows every single thing about us, good and bad. And God is offering this extravagant, doesn't fully make sense type of acceptance. It's called grace. And it's this grace that's extended to us through Jesus. You see, in the story, the lost son actually deserves to be an outcast. That's justice. And he asks for mercy. He asks to be a servant. But what the Father gives him is this extravagant grace to be welcomed home to a party. Not even just to be welcomed home. And that's what God is extending to us through Jesus. We are unconditionally accepted by God. So what's our response to that as people who follow Him? Our response to God's grace is to unconditionally accept others. Now, we don't 
unconditionally accept others very well, do we? Have you ever been in a conversation, even a casual one, and you know things are going pretty well, but then they, they bring up something that like really you don't like? You know what I mean? Like they bring up, you're talking, and they're like, I'm a cat person. And you're like, no! Or, you know, you're talking about sports, and they're like, yeah, I like football. I, I do too. I'm a Colts fan. I'm a Patriots fan. You're like, you're dead to me. I'm out. <laughs> right? Because we, we kind of have that built into us a little bit. It seems silly, but we can be guilty of seeing someone's differences, how they're different than we are, or disagreeing with somebody, and we believe that's an excuse to reject them. Now hear me, that doesn't mean we agree with everything in everyone's life. The father knew that the lost son was lost. The father didn't say the younger son was right in leaving. The younger son made a mistake. And he chooses to repent. He chooses to turn back to his father. And the father accepts him back unconditionally. Just like God responded with grace by sending Jesus for you and me. And we are challenged to respond like the Father does in the story if we believe in Jesus to extend that same grace in spite of somebody else's problems or sin. So as followers of Jesus, covered by this amazing grace, instead of our response being as one to reject, we're called to something different. Now here at the church, we have a value. I absolutely love this church value. We believe nothing matters if people don't matter. Now I have to acknowledge, I don't always live this out well. You relate to that? I want this to be true in my life, but I don't always treat other people like they do matter. I treat them like I matter. Maybe you've been in a church situation here or somewhere else, and you left feeling rejected. I want you to hear from me today, I'm really, really sorry that that's the case. That's not our desire at all. And if it was me or somebody else here, I encourage you, I'd love to talk to you about it. Because we believe this value. That nothing matters if people don't matter. We care very much about every person we know or don't know in the whole world to step into this life-changing relationship with Jesus. So if you count yourself as a person, we think you matter. And you should be unconditionally accepted. So what does it look like for us to accept like God does? Well, three ways we're going to talk about. They all start with B, so you're welcome. Number one, build relationships. Build relationships. Get to know people. Actually ask them questions. Learn their name instead of a label or a title. Treat people like they're people, not like they're just serving you. Talk to people who don't think like you or act like you. Oftentimes we reject people we don't understand. So build relationships. Number two, be respectful. Ever heard of the golden rule? I want to oversimplify, but this is Luke 6.30. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. It's pretty simple. When Jesus said that, he was talking about it in the context of his enemies, actually. Everybody, treat them the way that you would want them to treat you. Respect, kindness, hospitality. Build relationships. Be respectful. Number three, be loving. As a pastor, I get to do a lot of weddings. So I get to read like this verse a lot. 
And we think about it in the context of marriage and marriage only. But this is really talking about love a little bit more broadly. This is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. You've probably seen it on Instagram. <laughs> love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. How you doing? You living up to it yet? I'm not. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. This is the type of love that he's talking about. This is the type of love that the father shows his son. Kindness, keeping no record of wrong. It's extravagant and it's unconditional and it's hard. So how do we engage with people we disagree with? Build relationships, be respectful, be loving. And it should give us pause if everyone in our lives thinks, looks, and acts exactly like we do. Now we've learned from the older son that we're tempted to reject when we've been rejected. We've learned from the father that when we fear rejection, we can remember we are unconditionally accepted by God and our response to God's grace is to unconditionally accept others. Now the third, final, title character, the lost son. Can you relate to this character? We desire something and we make some mistakes we reject other people trying to get it. We turn away from God. We sin. And just like in the story, it doesn't take too long for things to fall apart. We're empty. And even though the son rejected his family, his father and his brother, he realizes his mistake. He understands it. And he turns around. He repents. And he says this, I will go home. There's power in that. I will go home. Even in the midst of all this rejection in his life, the son decides he's going to return home humbly. And the father graciously accepts him back. Here is the bottom line, the main point. No matter what, you can always come home. When we put ourselves in that place of the younger son, I think we see things in this perspective of hope that no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter if you're in the middle of the mud and the muck, you can go home. The Bible says in John 3, 16-17, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge, not to reject the world, but to save the world through Him. We've all rejected God and we deserve to be an outcast like the younger son deserves. And sometimes we allow that fear of how we're going to be treated or not knowing if it's going to be okay to outweigh the hope of Jesus. But Jesus stepped in our place on the cross. It's already done. And God says loud and clear, if you believe in Jesus and what He did for you on the cross, all you have to do is come home. So when we feel rejected, we're out there on our own. We don't have to be. Because He's calling to us. He's saying, come home. Do you feel like you're the one rejected in your life? I want you to know you're loved by this church. You're perfectly loved by Jesus. And you can always come home.
You feel alone? You feel trapped? You feel empty? You can come home. You feel useless? Helpless? Hopeless? He's saying it loud and clear. Come home. Maybe you're paralyzed by rejection. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to forgive. You don't know how to accept. And he's saying, we'll figure all that out together. Come home. Are you in the middle of doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing? Turn away. Come home. That's all he's asking you to do. You think you're okay, but you lay your head down at night and there's just something missing? Come home. Are you angry at God because of something that's going on in your life? So you're rejecting him because you feel like he's rejecting you? He's not. He's accepted you unconditionally. Come home. He can handle it. Is your fear, whatever it is, outweighing your hope? Come home. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's in your past, no matter what you are carrying with you, no matter what you fear, your Father is standing there looking out and He is waiting for you. He's waiting to welcome you home. He's waiting to celebrate. All you need to do is come home. I'd like to pray for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am... I am thankful that you love us so fully, so deeply, that if we place our trust in you, that's it. That we can fall short because we will fall short. We do fall short. But you love us and you meet us and you run out to us and you sweep us up and you love us so fully that you're celebrating with us because we've come home. I don't always live that out. I'm sorry that I don't always live that out. Help me, help us love people well. Help us unconditionally accept these other people in our lives because of what you've done for them. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. And we are so thankful, we are so excited about this opportunity we have to celebrate when we've come home. You've been waiting and I pray that there's somebody here today that needs to hear that, that you have your arms extended wide open waiting for them to come home. We love you and we are so thankful that we can come home because of what Jesus did on the cross. That matters. It changes things. We have hope instead of fear. We have acceptance instead of rejection. We love you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray today. Amen.